Doing a daily Bible devotional has been the best thing that I've done for myself. My time in the Old Testament only proves to me again and again and again that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things. When I'm reading the New Testament, I read it within the context of when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in the New Testament is just an expansion of one of those two thoughts. Those are the two lenses through which I think with my mouth open as I read through the Old and New Testaments. Join me, won't you, for another adventure in Coffee, the Bible, and Page. Get your coffee and your Bible and join me, won't you? Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I am your caffeine-imbued host, Paige, and here, as usual, is my coffee. Ah, say it with me. In the beginning, coffee, and lo, it was very good. Yes, it was. Well, today, we're going to continue our jaunt into 1 Samuel. We're in chapter 16. David is entering the scene. Saul has continually uh, disobeyed and therefore rejected God. And therefore, Samuel has been told by God he's going to anoint the next king of Israel. So Samuel, that's where we pick up our conversation right here. In chapter 16, get to it. There we are. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Well, apparently, Samuel had been mourning Saul. And I kind of get it. Apparently, Saul looked like how a king should look. Tall, strong. Um, with some ability. I mean, he was a very effective military commander, it seems like. Uh, but... Samuel had been taken in by the way Saul looked. Saul looked like the guy who ought to be king. And Samuel apparently, it sounds to me like he had really invested himself in Saul. And Saul had turned his back on Samuel, rejecting his counsel, rejecting God's counsel. Now, here it says, God tells Samuel, I'm sending you to Jesse, son of Bethlehem, to Jesse of Bethlehem. And one of his sons is going to be king. Now what's interesting about this statement. He says. I have chosen. A son of Jesse to be my king. The selection of a king for myself. That's what God is saying here. I've, I've selected a king for myself. Contrasts with the choice of a king for them. The people. They complained and they wanted a king. They complained and they wanted a king. They'd been asking for a king for several generations. And God, this is a hint that God gave them what they wanted. You know, it's, it's, um, when I was a child, I babysat, young teenager, I babysat for my older brother and his wife. They, I have two nieces that I was babysitting. 
And in lieu of cash, they said, we will order you some clothes out of the Sears catalog. Now, in Southeast Alaska, that's how you got your clothes, a majority of your clothes, you would order from Sears. And I saw in this catalog, this outfit that looked really, really cool. And it, it was like a goldish type shirt and a blue type slacks. I mean, it really looked, it really looked cool. And they tried to convince me that's not what you want. And I said, no, that's what I want. Paige, you really don't want that. They were, I'm sure they were hoping I'd get something more like some jeans and shirts, things of that nature. No, I wanted this outfit. So they ordered it for me. Uh, and when it came, I put it on and I have never seen anything more hideous in all my life. It was absolutely the ugliest thing I have ever seen. And nobody in this world ever saw me wearing that outfit. I took it off, put it away. Somehow it ended up in the trash. And I was embarrassed that I had thought that that was going to be cool. Because it so was not cool. The people had been pushing and pushing and pushing for a king. And he gave them a king like what they think a king ought to look like. He gave them what they wanted. And that should teach them a lesson. We're going to find it doesn't. But so that's that's how I identify with what happened here. The selection of Saul was a selection of a king for them, the people. But David, the son of Jesse, he's going to be a king for myself. This is God's choice of king. Samuel said, well, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Samuel and Saul were on the outs. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Hmm. No real reason is giving for the, given for the trembling. But Samuel was a prophet, a known prophet, a mighty prophet. And they were probably justifiably concerned that this prophet isn't just going to show up for no reason. And had they done something wrong? I don't know. They recognized that a prophet, one of its functions of a prophet is to be an instrument of God's judgment. So they were probably kind of scared about that. But Samuel said, yes, I've come in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Now, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, it's, it's interesting that God says, don't look at his outward appearance, his height. Isn't that what set Saul apart? He was a head taller than everybody else. He, he physically imposing. Well, apparently Eliab was physically imposing. Now, Samuel saw externally Eliab's appearance. Human beings are impressed and therefore often deceived by what they, their eyes tell them. It's amazing to me 
that this might explain God's rejection of Eliab might explain Eliab's reaction to David when David goes out and confronts Goliath in the near future. Um, the sons had to know, and well, they did know at the end of it especially, that, that Samuel was anointing the next king of Israel. One of them was going to be king. And Eliab perhaps thought it should have been him. And so when he jealously responds to David when David was getting ready to confront Goliath, you can see that perhaps there was some jealousy in the brothers. Eliab perhaps thought he should have been king, but no. God looks at the heart. Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord hasn't chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse said. He's tending the sheep. Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Perhaps not as physically imposing, <coughs> excuse me, perhaps not as physically imposing as his older brothers, but he still had a fine appearance. The Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David Samuel then went to Ramah. That statement from that day on infers that from that moment on through an extended time in well into the future, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now, this divine accession or the Holy Spirit coming on David, the statement implies a permanence with David that wasn't there with Saul or any other judge. Um, the Spirit came and went twice for Saul and three times for Samson. But there was something different about the way God dealt with David. God's spirit came on him from that day on. Now, the other part about this statement that's kind of bittersweet sad is Samuel makes additional appearances later on, but he no longer plays an active role in First or Second Samuel. The anointing of David was the capstone of Samuel's career. And he would be he would continue to be a prophet for another 20 years or more. But Samuel's main part of the story is over. And I find that kind of sad. It's like uh my favorite one of my favorite stories is The Lord of the Rings uh by Tolkien. And at the end of it all when the characters go off to live their lives and there's no more adventures, you're kind of sad to say goodbye to Gandalf. You're kind of sad to say goodbye to Bilbo and 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 all, and all the, the these characters that we'd fallen in love with. I'm kind of sad that way because I'm kind of saying goodbye to Samuel. <sighs> and now, next 
a really interesting thing happens next. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. An evil spirit from the Lord. Why would God send an evil or injurious spirit to torment Saul? The, the Hebrew word means something that brings injury, an injurious spirit, something that uh, caused physical or mental damage. Um, this evil spirit returns again and again on occasions. It, 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 would, it would come and go. And it may have been a demon, but it's more likely something called an injurious spirit. And I don't have enough knowledge to to tell you what the big difference is, except that the injurious spirit, to me, hints of a spirit that brings physical or mental anguish. Harmful things. Uh, I don't know if Saul was uh, injured to the point where he became self... I, I don't know if he hurt himself. I don't know if he was going mad. Uh, you know, if, I, I don't know. But this, this spirit brought suffering upon Saul, and it came and went, came and went. Um, it's po- probable, whatever the, whatever you de- however you define it, this spirit was responsible for psychological and mental problems that Saul would experience from here on out. It's interesting to me that there, his attendance thought that music would help Paul Saul when he came under the influence of this of this evil spirit and we're going to find out that's indeed the case the power of music wow i could go on and on forever about that but my big question is why would god send an evil spirit to torment Saul that's my big question and i don't have all the answers um i mentioned my i believe box in my brain that I put things into that I don't totally get and I bring it out every now and again and I look at it and if I don't get it, I put it back in the box and I press the I believe button on the front of that box, which means I believe God is just. I believe God is perfect in all his judgments. And though I don't get the why, I have to bow my knee to the fact that God is right in all that he does and that there is a reason for it. But this is an evil spirit from the Lord. In my most imperfect explanation is that God is sovereign. He's in total, complete control of everything. And as in the case of Job, God allowed evil spirits, allowed Satan himself to mess with Job. And you could say that Satan was sent by God to torment Job is semantics at that point, but the truth of the matter is Satan could not mess with Job unless God gave him permission to. God had a plan for Job. God has a plan for Israel. He had given them the king they say they wanted, just like my brother and sister-in-law gave me the clothes I thought I wanted. But Israel is soon to discover that this king that they wanted was not in their best interest. And the people were not as enamored of Saul as they would be 
of David. So why would God send an evil and jury spirit to torment Saul? Well, first of all, he's sovereign. Second of all, God rejected Saul. In essence, I mean, Saul rejected God, excuse me. Saul rejected God. In essence, telling God, I don't want you. That's what rejection is. Saul in, Saul was the initiator. I re, He rejected God. So God says, that, well, if you don't want my spirit, I'll give you the spirit that you say you want. There's, there's no middle ground. You're, you know, Paul says later on that you either serve the enemy of our souls or you serve God. There's no, there's no Switzerland here. There's no um, middle ground. There's no place where you can just be totally neutral. You either serve God or you serve Satan. That's, that's it. Saul had said he'd rejected God, and so there's no, only one other place for him. And that would be in the camp of the enemy of our souls. So why would God send an evil and injurious spirit to torment Saul? I think he's given him what he asked for. God says, you don't want me. Okay, you have this. Saul's attendant said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the liar. He'll play when the evil spirit from God comes in you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. And one of the servants answered, I've seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the liar. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. This fact, more than any human quality, will account for David's persistent, circuitous rise to power. He speaks well, he's a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Saul will have increasing recognition that David is preferred to him. And this will play, I'm sure, no small part in his own psychological disintegration. Saul will become more and more irrational. So, and Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son. David, who's with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. And whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Obviously impressing Saul, David entered his service as an armor-bearer. That's a pretty big deal. Although skilled men can expect to be pressed in service by kings, Saul also liked David personally. This is a personal connection that David had with Saul. You know, it's, it's funny. People who are many times tormented are attracted to people who are at peace. When I was in high school, I wasn't a Christian, far from it. Um, I partied a lot. I did a lot of things that today I'm very ashamed of. Yet, my preferred group of people to be around were the Christians, the real Christians in our school. They were, they were at peace. They let me talk if I wanted to talk. 
They let me be quiet if I wanted to be quiet. I was accepted by them, and I felt at peace when I was around them. Now, I wasn't a believer. That Those moments of peace didn't stop me from doing the ugly things I had been doing. But I kind of identify with Saul here. David would take up his lyre and play, and relief would come to Saul. David was liked by Saul. When David is around, there's prop, there, was a, there was a peace about him because he was loved of God. And David loved God in return. And the spirit of peace that was within, within David, God's spirit, would just push the evil spirits out of the room and give Saul some momentary release. And I think it's interesting that God used music. We've seen time and time again throughout history the power that music plays in affecting people's emotions and mental states. There's videos all over the internet of uh, people who are in the throes of dementia. And yet a song from their youth brings them back out of the cloud of dementia and they're in their right mind for a short amount of time. There's this one video I saw of a Jewish lady who was uh, in, a, in a home for people with dementia and this old woman who was deep in the throes of dementia used to was a church-going woman and loved the old hymns. And so this Jewish woman, this Jewish woman would uh, sing these old hymns to this old lady, this Christian lady who was in throes of dementia. And in those moments, that lady would, the fog would lift and that lady would sing those hymns with this Jewish woman. Music is powerful. Hmm. Well, I think that's about as far as I'm going to go today. Um, I think the thing I'm walking away from this chapter is that Saul, God gave Israel Saul because that's what they said they wanted. It wasn't what they needed. It's what they wanted. And God had listened to them, asked for a king for generation, so he gave them what they wanted. When I was young, I thought those cool-looking clothes were what I wanted. And after Israel experienced Saul for a while, it became evident that Saul was not God's choice. I put those clothes on, I knew that the public would never, ever see me in these atrocious, hideous clothes. God had a king in mind, and it's David. All right, I'm going to leave this there, and we're going to continue on. It starts now to become the story of David. Have a great day, folks. This is Paige. Here's my coffee. And I am out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. So, what did you think about today's Bible devotional? Email me and let me know your thoughts at ffog at me.com.